The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the available lines ahead of the college basketball tournament on the DraftKings Sportsbook app. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. 21 plus, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome back to Jamie D and Big Newt. We are coming at you, and we're probably better than we've ever been. He's Big Chris Newton. I'm Jamie D'Amico, and here we are, the week of Memorial Day, and this is the week to remember our fallen soldiers, and, well, really, it's, it's a week to remember those who are no longer with us, would you say? I would, man. It's an honor to be here today and talk about Bill's football. But first, we got to have a moment of silence, I guess, per se, for uh, the fallen soldiers and active duty members and stuff. And it's a day of remembrance this weekend. A lot of people just look at it as a long weekend, but it's definitely for the people who served our country and and paid the ultimate price for our country. And one of those happens to be a former Buffalo Bill, Bob Kalsu, who you can definitely read about on buffalorumblings.com. And we are going to take the concept of remembrance, and we're going to talk about our Buffalo Bills-based memories, mostly our happiest memories of the Buffalo Bills, but the ones that stand out to us the most because, you know, it's remembering and remembrance, it kind of snowballs. It it becomes more than just people from the past. It becomes situations. It becomes things that you were excited about, events, conversations, places you've been. And man, this is a Buffalo Bills podcast. So why not work those together? What do you think, my friend? I think that's a great idea. And I think Bills Mafia will love it, man. Well, I, uh, I'm acting as though I came up with the idea. I didn't. That was all big newt. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just think it's more or less I have more time on my hands to think about these things. And, and I was on the road <laughs> yesterday. I had a four-hour drive yesterday. We went down to Wilmington for a little CAA uh, conference baseball. So I had a lot of time uh-huh. on my hands sitting there through baseball, uh, multiple games during three days, which was very fun. Saw a lot of talent down there. So I was thinking about this like for a lot this weekend. So, what is CAA? The Colonial Athletic uh, Association. Um, uh. it's the it's the conference with James Madison in it, Northeastern up in Massachusetts, uh, University of Wilmington. So it's a mid-major conference, and uh, went down there. My wife obviously works for the conference, so 
Uh, she was down there all week conducting uh, COVID testing. And uh, oh. the kids and I joined her on Thursday. You know, we went down to the beach and stuff, saw the sunrise and spent a little quality family time down there and saw some good baseball, man. And, and it's funny because that was the first time outside of taking Simone and Jalen to sporting events, going to a real sporting event with that many people. And uh, it was it was more comfortable than I thought it would be. I thought I was going to be mm-hmm. a wreck. And uh, staying in the hotel, the pool was open, and they had jacuzzis and stuff. So we really enjoyed it like a mini vacation. It was our first, you know, thing post-COVID. And I felt comfortable. The only thing I can say, you know, I always tell you I have the uh, bladder of an infant. So I go, <laughs> as soon as I drink a soda, I got to go to the bathroom. And I think I noticed more than anything how many people went to the bathroom and not washed their hands. So I think ah. it's more of a germaphobe thing more than a COVID thing. How about that? Well, I've got a question for you. Yeah. So if you're going number two, you got to wash your hands for obvious reasons. But I am kind of a germaphobe and a clean freak myself. I maintain that if I go and take a wazzer, my junk (laughs) is cleaner than the fixtures in that bathroom. And if I touch a sink, touch the other things, I'm going to have more bacteria and germs on my hand when I leave the bathroom after touching that damn sink than it will after touching myself. I agree with that. And most people will look at it like that. I guess I always thought that when you, you, you know, touch your junk and then you don't wash your hands, I think it just is more of a bad look. Yeah, when you go to games, you high five and people like I don't want to touch you. You just touch your junk, like you high five, we hugging, we we handshaking. You eating popcorn, you know. You got pube hairs on your finger there. I mean, (laughs) you know what I'm saying. So I I understand what you're saying per se. I I don't I don't doubt that your junk is not clean, but I just think it's more sweaty pubes. Yeah, just go ahead and watch. I think it's more the look more than anything. Oh, we're disgusting. <laughs> well, it's disgusting if you don't wash your hands. No, I don't know. I, I get it. It ain't like I'm just middle of guys that don't do it. I mean, I No, I, I mean, we're disgusting just talking about it. Yeah, I mean, I just think it's just, I, I noticed that more than I noticed COVID, per se, because no one had on a mask. And I'd say it was probably about maybe a thousand people at the games. And so uh, I just, I noticed that more than I did worry about COVID. That's all. I once went to a club that had like individual bathroom stalls that were in, like entire rooms and it was it was a co-ed bathroom. So people are coming out of from behind these doors and there's just, you know, sinks everywhere. And I'm washing my hands and I turned to this very attractive well-dressed woman next to me. I said, "Huh, it's a lot of peer pressure to wash your hands when you're coming out of the bathroom when you have uh, a co-ed setting." And she rolled her eyes, didn't speak to me, and walked away. <laughs> Have you you've had people ignore you before? I can't oh believe God. that, dude. Are you kidding me? I I honestly can't believe it. I've well, you're a married man now, so you're not dating. So I guess I can say this: I've seen people gravitate to you too much to think that you got shot down. And that's how I judge, and I, we've talked about this on the pod before. That's how I judge guys. Like, I can't say whether you're attractive or ugly because I don't I'm judge not, guys. I'm I don't not judge, attractive. But I don't, but you win, though. I've seen you win. <laughs> so you can't, like, you can't play this, oh, I never 
the only girl that ever liked me was my wife. No, dude, I've seen you win. I've known you for too many years now. I've seen you win too much to think that you just don't either. Either your your attractiveness or you got game. It, that's one of the other. See, I feel hmm. like I'm a guy that has game because I know on a scale of one to ten. I know you got game. I'm on a scale of one to ten. I know I'm. I'm hopefully on a good day if I'm cleaned up and got my nice J's on or I got a nice suit on. I might be a five. You know what I'm saying? Which is fair. Listen, which is fair. Okay, but I've won because I got the gift of gab, and I've always believed if you can make people laugh, that's better. That's as good as gold. That's if you can make people laugh, that's as good as being rich and being handsome and having a six pack. Because I have neither. There's definitely something. There's definitely something to that. If funny dudes always punch above their weight class, yeah, always. Oh yeah, and you are a funny ass dude, right here, right here. I want, and that's why I tell God every day, man. Hey, I've. I one thing I can say is I feel like I've yeah outkicked my coverage my whole life. How about that? I've outkicked my outkicked my coverage my whole life. So <laughs> I'll be the one to tell you. So I have no problem with admitting that. You know, nothing. No, see, nothing I, was I ever given to it. me. Nothing was ever given to me, Jamie. Nope. <laughs> I had to nope. Work That's why everything. you were the first one on the practice field. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. I had. I. I never got. I very rarely got layups in my dating days. So, huh? And then I'm sure when they were available, you didn't want them because you were like, "Wait a minute, something's wrong here. I I haven't put forth enough effort for this to be working the way it is right now. Get out of here." Exactly. I thought it was a setup. I think it was a setup. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Even now, as a married man, when women, you know, you know, when women are nice to you, flirt, you know, they'll flirt with you or whatever. I think it's a setup. Like, do you know my wife? Get out of here. Don't get get away from me. I'm married. Get away. Because I think it's a setup. I feel like you know my wife. My wife put you up to this. This doesn't happen to me. I, I'm going to tell you a story about a setup. I was in a Nordstrom rack one day, and I'm standing over looking at the – I don't remember what it was, but it was near the shoe section, and it was like the men's section – was there and between it was the fitting room and a woman comes out wearing lingerie and she starts speaking to me and she's like what do you think do you think my husband husband will be into it and she's like turning around and stuff and i'm like no no thank you no i am out and i mean she looked good but i was like i don't want any part of this this is not gonna go well for me so um i'm like uh you look good um I'm gonna go over there now because you know it just it was the wrong environment. So it, you know it was it was like th- something. Some guy is gonna like pop out and be like, "You looking at my wife?" Yep. Okay. <laughs> well, apparently the setup was a little different because I a little while later I go over to that shoe section. I see her come out again doing the same thing, talking to another guy. Mm-hmm. I see security in the shoe department talking to this guy and he's got this look on his face like I'm caught I'm caught. You know what I think it was? What? I think it was the husband. I think he was getting off on watching his wife do this and he may have gotten a little handsy with himself. Oh jeez. Okay. And he was in the process of being arrested. Oh my! Uh huh. Oh yeah. yeah. So I think that was like their little game 
so my instincts that that were saying get the hell out of there yeah doesn't seem like any harm was going to come my way but <laughs> you still yeah, you the red flashing those- lights were going off and i'm like no thank you right you don't need those problems man just walk no. i don't need these problems no and you know that is my friend Heather, you met her back yep. in uh, back in Rochester, New York. Yep. My friend Heather, I I tell these stories, and I've got like a million of these weird things, and she always says the same thing. She goes, "Only you, James," <laughs> and it's it's probably true that that kind of thing does not happen to anybody else, does it? <laughs> I'm sure it does. I'm sure our listeners can relate, man. Things like that happen in the world. Well, I, I hope our listeners share some of some of those stories. Hit us up on on Twitter for sure with with that kind of memory. Um, I don't know that that was kind of um, some adult content there, so I, I'm not sure if <laughs> if maybe it's something that we should be talking too much about in a good family show. But anyway, we're gonna get a call from the higher ups. Probably. <laughs> we pushed the envelope too much on our show, man. I tell you. Yeah. Now I'm feeling guilty about it. Don't. Don't. Okay. Anyway, Buffalo Bill's memories. Let's talk about them, man. I, just to let you know what I've done, I went and looked up the box score of my very first game on October 21st, 1984. The first one I attended. But I want you to start off. Give me a Buffalo Bills memory, my friend. Well, what I did was I kind of broke it down to sections thinking about it. Um, I got my first game that I went to in person. And then my first game, the first time I went to Buffalo, and I don't know if I ever talked about this on on, uh, a pocket. I know I talked to you about it. But my my first game in person, and um, I became a Buffalo Bills fan, like I told you all, probably during the Super Bowl years. Um, so I guess I was called a Fairweather fan that just stuck it out. Um, I don't know if you could be considered <laughs> a February fan after 35 years, but okay. But yeah, all my sports teams were the team. When I first started liking sports in the late 80s, it was, you know, Buffalo, uh, Notre Dame football just won a championship. Michigan had just won a championship in basketball. And uh, and then I, I became a Wizards fan just because just because. But those those teams, it was because they were good at that point. So when I was in school and playing, I kind of, you know, wasn't as invested in the fandom. I mean, I would watch the games, but I definitely wasn't as invested as I am now. So my first game in person wasn't until 1998. And as you all know, I lived in, I moved to New Orleans in 1998 because my friend played for the Saints. And this is when Buffalo came to visit New Orleans. It was the last game of the regular season, all right? And so I would go to the games, and you got to think, in 1998, 97, 96, the Saints weren't very good. So you could just, I mean, I would, my boy would give me tickets, be like, Newt, you, you got any friends who want to go to games? So I would just take random people to the games. And it, it would be only like 20,000 people there in the Superdome. So oh, it would feel empty. Um, I think it was probably about 40,000 people with this game. And I would usually go every week, not only because, one, my, my best friend played for them, but we'd have club-level seats, and then you could go in the club, and, and they had the uh, all the TVs with the games on. So now you got to think, in 1998, it wasn't like, you know, 
Dish TV now where every I mean you can find the game anywhere. I mean it was hard to find out of, out of market games, you know, yeah. 20 some, you know, going on 20 some years ago. So um I would go to the games, I would watch him play sometimes, and then I'd go in the club and watch Buffalo. That would be, you know, the reason why I want to go. So uh it was probably about 40,000 people there. This is the first time I've seen Buffalo play in real life. Like I said, it was the last game of the year. Um uh, I remember Rob Johnson was out there, and it's funny because I was thinking about like, okay, who was all the people that was on the team then? And then I was thinking about how I was going to talk about it on the pie. And it's like when you tell a story, I don't know if you ever do this, but if you ever tell a story, do you start with you first? Like, hey man, we had a great time this weekend, man. Who was all there, man? It was me, Jamie, Seth. It was Jay. You know, you all oh, sure. start with you. Yeah. So I feel like when I was writing it down, I was like, man, who was all on the team? Who was all there that day? You know, it was me, Rob Johnson, Antoine Smith, Sam Gash, uh, <laughs> John Fina, Jamie. Na- you remember Jamie Nails playing on the O line? Yeah. Um, Eric Moles, and I always talk about Eric Moles. His Auntie is a wonderful lady. I sat on, I saw on a plane with her going to Hawaii for the Pro Bowl. Sat next to her, wonderful woman, and she thinks the world of obviously of her nephew. But um, Eric Moles, uh, Marcellus Wiley, Ted Washington, Bruce Smith, Sam Coward, and of course Henry Jones. That was from my neighborhood, and so mm-hmm. just seeing that game, and we wind up winning that game. Um, we finished tennis. I think we were 10 and 6 that year, and then they mm-hmm. were 6 and 10, so they really wasn't playing for anything. And then we wind up uh, losing in the uh, playoffs. I believe the wild card, I think we played the Dolphins the next week and lost. But, I do remember that. Yeah. I was yeah. actually in the Pittsburgh airport during that game. Okay. So, yeah, it was a good game. That was my first experience. And I was, I guess I was a little numb to it because I was going to so many games, I guess, because uh, once again, my friend was in the NFL. Um, but I remember that game specifically because I was like, oh, okay, this is the first time I got to see. And I feel like the uniform, beautiful, and like seeing Bruce Smith, somebody who I idolized as a, like basically a kid, you know, and that was, you know, some of his final days then, you know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. just being able to see the old guard going out and kind of the new era coming in it was it was it was fun man and i'll never forget it It was a great memory so you know our first games are are seminal moments in our lives because it's without that we wouldn't have met each other we wouldn't have this podcast um so briefly i'm going to talk about my first game but really what i want to get into is some of the memories that people can probably relate to and maybe can get a little excited about so my first game, as I mentioned, was 1984. It was the first of two consecutive 2-14 two and 14 seasons that the Bills had. And at quarterback for that game, Joe Ferguson started and was abysmal. He was 9 for 19 in the first half for 77 yards. He got pulled for backup Matt Kofler, who had a better game. He was 8 for 13. But they both threw two interceptions. Uh, the Bills ended up losing that game uh, 37-7. to They scored a 70-yard touchdown in the, uh, in the fourth quarter, which was, it was a fly pattern, happened to be a, a great pass. Guy got behind the defense. But in that game, that was John Elway's rookie season. Now, he sat out the prior year, got traded to Denver, 
I had never seen an athlete like this in my life. Now, I, I was I was young, so obviously I I wasn't as steeped in football knowledge and sports knowledge as I am now, but there was a play specifically that he made. It was a touchdown play where he was rolling out to his left, threw across his body to the other side of the field. He now he set his feet, but he mostly just turned his upper body to make that throw. So Elway turns and fires, ends up a 52-yard pass play. And if you're doing the geometry at home, I, I don't know how far that must have gone in the air to get from, from the left hash to the right sideline. But it was absolutely incredible feat of, feat of athleticism. Just the way he was out there running around and the gun he had on him. I I became an Elway fan real early in life after seeing that, but that cemented me as a Bills fan, despite the fact that they got pummeled. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I started watching them loyally through another 2-14 season after that. Thank God things started getting better when uh, Bill Polian uh, became GM and hired Marv Levy, and things were all up from there. What else you got, big man? And so yeah, and then my first game in Buffalo, man. This is probably a little better story. Um, was October two thousand and five, and so it was the day after the Bush push game. So I was uh, I flew up to Chicago, rented a car, drove to South Bend, uh, where one of my good friends, Marcus Manning, was living. Uh, he was an AD at uh, University of Indiana at South Bend, so two, three miles from Notre Dame. So, of course, once he got that job, I told him, you know what this means, right? I'm going to be, like, basically living at your house. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so he was mm-hmm. in South Bend. So I, I, while he was there, I think he was there maybe five or six years, I would go to a game or two up there and uh, visit him and go to Notre Dame game. So I flew to Chicago, drove to South Bend, and spent the weekend with him. Well, it was supposed to be a weekend. So we went to the Bush Push game, okay? That's the infamous game where Notre Dame, uh, USC was ranked number one, Notre Dame was ranked, and uh, we were winning the majority of the game, but then uh, Reggie Bush got the ball on the goal line and they pushed him into the end zone, which I still say is illegal, right? So Mm -hmm. I was so furious after the game. And and once again, it was a beautiful day. It's a memorable game. I'm glad ultimately I was there, even though we came up on the short end of the stick. But uh, I was so mad after the game, I just packed my stuff and left, right? And so my boy Marcus was like, what are you doing? I was like, man, I'm I'm going to Buffalo, right? Never <laughs> been there before. Didn't know how. I had to look it up how to get there. I was like, I got to get out of here. You know what I'm it's saying? It's a long drive, man. So what I did was I left. I drove to Cleveland where one of my colleagues from Florida State, Armand Lewis, lived in Cleveland. So I drove there. I spent the night there. I woke up the next morning and drove from Cleveland to Buffalo, which was about maybe three hours. So I woke up in the wee hours of the morning and went and uh, went to Buffalo. And it was funny because I got pulled over, and I was wearing my Buffalo polo. You know how I do with the polos and stuff. Yeah. And so I got pulled over speeding, and, yes, I was speeding. And then uh dude was like, you, you you know, you're a Buffalo fan? And so I was like, 
no, I mean, I, I work for the I work for the Bills. I was at the Notre Dame game, and then I'm going over. You know, I work for the Bills. I'm trying to get back, get to the game. And you said you I, worked for the team? Yes, I did. I'm sorry. I hope I can. Am I going to get sued for that? I don't know. Please don't. I don't, I don't think know. so. Okay. <laughs> but I did. I told them I worked for the team. And then I was like, yeah, I'm just coming from Notre Dame. I showed them my tickets and all that stuff, all this stuff. I was like, yeah, I'm going to the Bills-Jets game. I, I got to hurry up and get there. He was like, oh, no problem. Go ahead. You know, and he, I, I thought he was going to give me a police escort at that point. I was like, no, no, don't do that. Just let me go. So he let me go. We chopped it up for a minute anyway. We let it go. True story, I promise you. And so uh, I went to I went I pulled into Buffalo. Um, I had got a ticket from uh, one of my friends who knew a girl who's her friend knew Roscoe Paris, and he wound up putting me on the list. And I honestly I didn't know what to expect. I'm like, yeah, right. You give me a ticket. I'm like, in my mind, I'm like. I'm going to probably want to have to buy a ticket. But sure enough, I showed there. It was a ticket in my name from Roscoe. I'm like, whoa, that's awesome, right. man. You know what I'm saying? And so uh, I, I didn't know anybody. I was by myself. Never been there before. I'm just walking around with my O.J. Simpson jersey, which I still have. And you know I don't like wearing it anymore. Me and you talk about that all the time. But I have my old because it's like my favorite jersey because it, it's the one that still fits me. And so uh, I walk around my jersey. People are like Jews, Jews, OJ, yeah, come here, throwing the football to me and stuff. I'm just walking around aimlessly, not knowing anybody by myself. Man, people gave me food. They fed me, gave me beer. That if shit I- happens <laughs> to you everywhere you go. You are the most lovable human being there is. And that that's how you live your damn life. It's incredible to me. All you have to do is be present and people want to be around you. It's incredible. I, I mean, I just, I don't even have the words <laughs> to say like this. I, here's what you don't understand. This doesn't happen to other people. This only happens to you. <laughs> I, I don't I think is well I appreciate it first of all but I just think it's more testament to Bill's mafia man I'm just like that that was love man because I w- I was not expecting any of that you know what I'm saying and not that's probably one of my funnest times don't get me wrong you and I've been to games we've been with the Bills backers I've been to plenty of games since then but that was probably because I, I once again I guess it was so fun because I wasn't expecting much and like I said I was pissed off because of the Notre Dame game the day before but we wind up I wind up going to the game and like I said it was my first time there I had great seats it was right there at the 50 yard line I'm maybe about 15 20 rows up. Um, all the friends and family was there. And that's one thing that stood out to me because it's like I said, my boy Joe played for the Saints and the friends and family used to get like club level seats, like a 200 level seats. All right. Uh-huh. But, and, and so, but in Buffalo, the friends and family was all sitting like right there on a the 50 yard line. I'm like, oh, that's pretty cool. Now, I don't know if it's still like that to this day, but I even got pictures. I'm like, I'm sitting right behind Buffalo's bench, you know? And I saw the look. That's the first time I saw the look. The equipment guy, the guy that's been there for years, the 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 um the shorter equipment guy. And so I was just like, "This is amazing." I was just like, "This is wonderful," you know. And we wind up winning that game. We beat the Jets. I think it was like twenty something to fourteen. Willis McGahey, that was one of his best games as a pro. He ran for almost one hundred and fifty yards. Uh, Lee Evans, uh, Jason Peters was man in the left tackle spot. And mm-hmm. the defense had uh, Sam Adams, Chris Kelsey, London Fletcher, and Lawyer Malloy, man. And it was the dark. They was one, the, uh, 
Well, it wasn't that. It wasn't that game we were in the dark uniforms. But yeah, I I love the uniforms, and it was just beautiful, man. It was a beautiful day. It, it was the time of my life. That is fantastic. Now I'm going to come back at you not with a specific game, but with a situation that led to a game. This was the famous three-team, and I, I love this memory, the famous three-team trade on Halloween Day in 1987 at the trade deadline when the Buffalo Bills traded away two first-round draft picks, a second-round pick, and Greg Bell. Uh, and those went to, I, I believe those picks all went to the Rams, who then sent... Eric Dickerson to the Colts. And this was at the prime of Dickerson's career. And the Colts sent Cornelius Bennett to the Buffalo Bills. Now, why is it more than just a game? Well, because it starts with that. And Cornelius Bennett then sat out a couple of weeks. He was a rookie, if you remember, refused to sign with the Colts, which seemed to happen fairly often back then uh, because John Elway sat out an entire season rather than play for the Colts. Well, two weeks later, the, uh, the Denver Broncos visit Buffalo. Bennett plays his first ever game and he was and I, I don't know if you remember this uh the Bills fans who saw it will not forget Cornelius Bennett was absolutely unblockable he was a terror on the field what he did in the defense is Walt Corey said now Walt Corey ran a read and react defense and that was that was a defensive coordinator at the time they put Bennett in the game who was so fast and so athletic. They said, okay, we're going to line you up on the left-hand side of uh, the line of scrimmage. Two-point stance, just go get the ball. It doesn't matter if it's a run play. It doesn't matter if it's a pass play. Just make a play. Well, two sacks of Elway right out of the gate. They run the ball the other way. Uh, Bennett runs all the way around the line of scrimmage, gets the gets the running back from behind on the other side of the field. The Broncos call timeout just to figure out how the heck to block him because they had never seen anything like it. And they certainly didn't game plan for it. And, you know, the combination of a trade on that level, which rarely happens in the NFL, even to this day, you, you don't get that many uh, big trades, especially three team trades, but for him to have the impact that he did, it's just a, a memory that's grilled into my brain. Oh, that's awesome, man. That is awesome. Grilled into my brain. What else you got, buddy? Well, and then after that, I kind of wanted to go lastly to the most memorable plays. And, and, and it's, it would be easy to say that this year had probably some of the most memorable plays because we almost made it back to the Super Bowl. We're going to mm -hmm. be chasing. It's always going to be that moment of when we turn the corner. Like, when is it we're back? You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And so, uh, obviously, the interception return against Baltimore, you know, that that's going to probably be the play that we're all going to remember most from this season, I guess, right? Yes. And so, I tried to go back and think about things in the past and things that I remember were not too long ago. I mean, it wasn't back in the 80s. but I just remember the Sam Adams interception. 
Oh my God. I'm so glad you're bringing that one up because that one was in just like in, in the clutches of my brain. I'm like, we have to talk about yeah. that. And that was when I believe we had the dark blue uniforms, the blue pants, yep. uh, jersey with the because I still and and, and it, you remember Sports Illustrated always made the posters of their uh of their uh covers and that's like the one I've always like that's the one I want to go in the boom boom room like you know what I'm saying like that's the play because I just remember that and just leading up to that game because you got to realize we had Tom Brady had just became the starting quarterback there we obviously didn't think it was going to be this year 20 years of dominance of the division it was just getting started at that time we had lost to New England like four or five times in a row previously to that Mm -hmm. and uh we had just not been making the playoffs we had we were in a three four year playoff drought and uh we had that week that was week one of the season and if you remember, New England had just cut their captain, Lawyer Malloy, yes. on Tuesday. We picked Lawyer Malloy up that Thursday. He started, and then when we announced the man, the crowd went nuts. Like, and I'm talking about this just happened three, like, dude, haven't even been on our roster for six, two hours. Like, and it, just to go out and have the game he did. And we just went out there and kicked them in the teeth we and i remember if, if i may jump in lawyer malloy was so new with the team but he was still on the field do you remember coy wire, coy wire was, yep. who was a rookie at the time was yep. telling malloy where to line up before every play yeah yep. it's like I you remember. go over there and this is your assignment so for the big man and and once again i'm a big dude but man like for you to pick the ball off of the air rumble 40, 50, 60 yards to the end zone. That was just I, – I just think it capped off the day, man. And that's that's going to be like the, one of the most memorable – like I will never forget that, dude. That was so great because I know I've said this before, but I love it when fat guys score touchdowns. So when you get a big defensive tackle rumbling down the field and he's got an escort of people with him, uh, I, he had a couple of moves there too. Like yeah, he, he knew what to do with the ball in his hands. Yes, he did. So yes, he that's did. how you know that he wasn't always that big. Obviously in high school, he was probably by far the most athletic guy on the field. So they were handing it off to him, throwing it to him, everything else. I love that play. Yeah. That was in <laughs> the downside is it happens so fast. The plays but you get the replay. You can go to YouTube and watch it. It's yeah. so good. Yeah. So one of my all-time favorite plays, and you know where I'm going with this, and it's it's such a cliche coming from me at this point, but that game, Bills, Cowboys, Thanksgiving a yep. couple years ago, yep. the fumbled snap on fourth and one yep. that Josh Allen picked up jumped over the line of scrimmage, powered through a dude, and then flipped and threw a defender over him on his way to gaining three or four yards on fourth and one, and then jumped up and, you know, pumped his fist. That was one of the coolest moments I have ever seen in football. I was ready to run through a brick wall when I yeah. saw him do that. That that was his like you always talk about moments, and, and we talk about this all the time. No matter if you hated Josh Allen, you love him. If you love him, this is another feather in your cap, man. That play is when you had to know that this is going to be our guy. 
because you yeah. got to play with heart. And that's one thing you got to give the kid, whether you hate him or whatever, you got to get the kid got heart and want to. The kid got moxie. And when he made that play, man, that was outstanding. You're right, man. That, that was that was incredible. And and not the, and, and he did it the year before when he jumped over Anthony Barr in the Minnesota game, you know? Yeah. Like that is it's just simply incredible. You're right. Um I I, I hope he doesn't try to jump over anybody. Right. Going we forward. don't want to see that. We don't want to see that, but man, that's a wonderful picture. Right. Um, two of the uh runner ups for my most memorable plays, uh, real quick, Fred Jackson versus Chicago in overtime in Chicago. Remember that? Oh yeah, I know where you're going. Is this the one where he uh, ran over the safety? He he stiffed arm, stiff armed him, Chris Conti, and uh, ran the ball 38 yards. Got the ball at the one yard line, and then we uh, hit the field goal to win the game in Chicago, dude. I will never forget that stiff arm. Like everybody, that was beautiful. He threw him seven yards. Yeah, yeah. See, so everybody talking about Derrick Henry's stiff arm. Nah, I mean, Fred Jackson had his own years before, and it was for the win, you know. Mm-hmm. So I, I, that's my runner-up. And then uh, another one, LaShawn McCoy. Okay? LaShawn McCoy, 21-yard run with a minute and a half to go in overtime versus the Colts in December 2017. Mm. Is that Bell? Yeah, good one. In the snow. In the snow. And so you remember the uh the pictures I put up on Twitter and stuff, uh with Kim uh, Pagula and all that and Pinto. Yeah, Ryan, with her amazingly white teeth. With her amazingly white teeth, right? That was the <laughs> week before. That was the New England game. We got Maki stomped by New England. But I didn't care because I met Jim Kelly, right? I could care yeah. less. The next week, Indianapolis comes to town. It's the snow game. I'm telling my wife, I wish we would have went to that game. <laughs> you understand? I wish we would have stayed there with it, even though I don't know how, because we drove up. I don't know if we would have been able to drive through the mountains and stuff. I don't know if we would have got there or got home, but I wanted to be there. LaShawn McCoy in overtime, 21-yard run to cap the game versus the Colts. And my thing is, and, and playing football, I, I just look at that play over and over. How do you keep your balance in snow? Everybody else is falling, slipping. They can't touch you, but you're running like it's a sunny day in the summertime in uh in Orchard Park. That was amazing to me. Yeah. That guy, you know, he was an incredible back. He was incredible. I, I know he obviously fell off the shelf at, at some point and just, I mean, when it, I, his skills seemed to diminish really quickly. Um, and, and the Bills, they obviously got rid of him at the right time. Yes. Um, yes they did. But I have a, another memory, another Fred Jackson memory. This is the week two game against the, uh, against the Patriots where the Bills broke their very lengthy losing streak. This is the, I think it was like a 50-yard run where Jackson, he goes up the middle, over to the the left sideline, back to the middle. It looked like he scored a touchdown on that play, but he, he was actually down at the one-yard line. But we were losing our minds in the bar watching that, 
it was like we had won the Super Bowl. The Bills kicked a field goal a couple plays later after kneeling on it because the Patriots were out of timeouts and they were trying to take as much time off the clock as possible. Freddie Jackson, man, that guy, you watch him play and you don't know what makes him great because he wasn't the fastest guy on the field. Um, he wasn't the biggest. He wasn't the quickest. He, he, but he had great vision. He followed his blocks incredibly well. He just always made plays. And I was convinced at the, at the height of his career, when he was in his prime, he played behind some really bad offensive lines. And I was convinced that put him behind a good offensive line, that guy was going to go for 2000 yards. To me, he could have been better than, uh, Terrell Davis. I, I just I thought the world of Freddie and he he was a nice guy on top of it still is a nice guy could catch the ball out of the backfield but I just I loved that play because that was the moment that you saw that the Bills were about to do something they hadn't done in so many years they were going to beat the big bad Patriots and Freddie brought it to the house almost yep. You just, I think, I think you just gave me an idea for what we're gonna do for one of our next shows. We gotta talk about like your fate, not just like an all-decade team, but like through the annals of time. Don't, don't. You just, <laughs> you just did it again. No. <laughs> through the annals of time, oh, your favorite player, because Freddie Jack. We talk about this all the time. Freddie Jackson. Freddie Jackson and Kyle Williams are probably my two favorite players the last 15 years. So okay. is it you could do your favorite player in the 80s, then do your favorite couple players in the 90s, and then in 2000, and then obviously now. You know, we, we might have to do that. You see, my wheels always turning for the show, man. You know, I love those guys. Well, let's uh, let's do it, man. I, I love the idea, and I would love for listeners to send in their ideas and their rosters for their favorites by the decade, too. That I think we could have a lot of fun with that. Yeah. A lot of yeah. fun with that. Let's see. Um, you know what I'm going to do here? I'm doing it now. I said I was going to do it. You got me feeling good. It's Memorial Day weekend. It's beautiful here in Richmond, Virginia. We're doing it. Our loyal listeners, Big Newt was going to send you an autograph football, Okay. An autographed football from the Boom Boom Room for the best memory here on Memorial Day. Wow. So you hit us up. You hit us up on Twitter. Whoever has the best memory, okay, we'll pick somebody randomly. Whoever has the best memory, I'll send them an autographed football signed by nobody, though. It's just an autographed football. So you got to get it signed, but I'll ship it to you. And uh, get it out of the Booble Room. It's a blank Buffalo Bills football signed by nobody. You can go get it signed. That's what I'm going to do for you. So it's not an autographed football. It is. A, it's No, it's an autographed football. But no, it's. it's Okay, let me, let me go back. Okay, it's an autographed football, but it's the ball that you take to go get it autographed. Oh, oh, oh. Not an autographed football, an autograph football none of which is to be confused with the 1980s metal band from russia or the soviet union called auto graf oh god oh man you went way over my head now <laughs> yeah yeah you got to get it to get it autographed 
But yeah, it's the it's the football. You don't just when you get a football autograph by somebody, you don't just give them a regular. I mean, I guess you could, but no, this is plain white leather, and it has room for you to get a real autograph. Like that's what you you know kind of ball you want to use for somebody to sign. I think you should football. autograph the autograph football. Well, you know what? If the winner if the winner wants me to do it, I'll do it. But I would prefer you get an autograph of somebody way more important than me. Okay, yeah, fair enough. So, but I'm gonna do it. But I'm gonna flip the bill. I'll flip, I'll box it. I take it out the boom boom room. I'm gonna box it up and I'm gonna send it to whoever. You could DM me once we once we pick the winner. You gonna DM me your address? I'll go to FedEx, throw it in a box on my dime. I won't do cash on delivery, and then send it to <laughs> Big Newt, man. We're gonna. I told you we're gonna start doing raffles, man. So hey, we're doing it. I love I love that you just did this, man. Yeah. This, this is fantastic. It's I you, remember I said through. how I was ready to run through a wall when Josh Allen like flipped that defender over him. I'm ready yeah. to run through a wall right now, Newt. But hey, let's make a stipulation. It yeah, has what's to that? be. It has to be at least for us to pick a winner. It has to be how many? About twenty people. Can we say that? About twenty, yeah, we, about we can say twenty, 20 people, participants. Twenty participants. Twenty people got to tell us their best Bills memory, and if we could get twenty people to add uh, Big New or Jamie D, you can add us. If we get twenty people, we'll select the winner. If we don't have twenty people with memories, then we'll carry the football over to another raffle. But it has that, to be at least twenty more than fair. memories. So if you want to win the football, you gotta you better get 20 of your friends. You better get your kids to get some of their friends and be like, hey, at these two yahoos, so I can win this autographed football that's autographed by no one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm feeling good, Jamie D. Man, it's my world day. I'm about to get on the grill as soon as we get out. I got the beer brats, you know, I got the uh I got the ribs, man. Marinade. Was this Tito's induced? No, it's not. Not yet. No, good. Not yet. You know, I'm about to get on the grill. It's beautiful. I'm going to get on some Tito's, and I'm going to watch my Wizards. This is probably our last game. We're about to get swept by uh, 76ers. So I'm going to watch that and get ready for the week. But I'm going to enjoy some ribs today. And, you know, I mean, I got to clean out the car. I still got sand in the car from this weekend. I brought sand back from Wilmington. So, you know, I'm in a good mood, man. I'm in a good giving mood, man. So we're going to do this. Well, hey, people can get a hold of you, buddy, at big underscore newt on Twitter. You can get a hold of me at the Jamie D'Amico, and it looks like we're going to have some good fun talking about this. Please tell us your favorite Buffalo Bills memories so that we can send you an autograph football that's autographed by no one. <laughs> but maybe... <laughs> Big Newt can do can sign it for you. If you want, I'll do it, man. If not, I'll just send it to you blank. <laughs> <laughs> it's still worth something. It's still worth something, you know. Well, yes, they're not cheap. Yeah, they're they're not cheap. You know. Anyway, you have been listening to Jamie D and Big Newt. Thank you so much for joining us. Please come back in next week or in two weeks when we uh, when we record again. And hey, Newt. Give us a song, man. Hey, hey, hey.